Who wants to tell you who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Java Chat. You're sitting here with Coffee with Mike. And my guest today is a I, – I, I like this particular subject because it digs into mindset. And we have a, a gentleman that's a specialist in it in some really cool ways because he's like – He's like an athletic coach, but he's he's evolved from that into into teaching anybody. But his his history. Well, I'm going to let him explain a little bit more of his history because he's he's coached some pretty phenomenal people, and and a lot of mindset in and around that. So I'd like to welcome to our podcast Christian Straka. How are you, buddy? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I appreciate you coming in and and sharing your your insights and your expertise. Give us a little bit of background on you, my man. Talk, tell us a little bit about who Christian Strzok is, where you're from, what you've been up to, and, and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, so who is Christian Straka? That, that wasn't the philosophical <laughs> question yet. We'll get into that one later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I am originally Czech. I grew up in Germany and then in Spain. I basically had tennis as my main focus since I was a little boy mm -hmm. and it was my big goal to become a professional tennis player and make it to the top. Nice. Eventually I had to stop early in my early twenties because of an injury. I had surgery on my shoulder oh. uh, and then thanks to my mentor back in the day, I then actually transitioned to becoming a coach, a tennis coach very early on, much earlier than, you know, let's say the average coach who starts maybe in his 30s, 40s, starts you to coach. in your 20s? I started, yeah, in my early 20s already. How, how, was, how was that, dude? I mean, you're, you're a coach in your 20s. You're yes. trying to coach people. You're, you're literally, you're up against 30-somethings that have more experience. I mean, how do you deal with that? Well, I was very fortunate in so many ways. My mentor then stayed my mentor and he didn't just coach me to play, but then he continued coaching me to coach. Nice. So that's a very rare situation to be in Absolutely. where you don't just, you know, learn to teach because you go through some, you know, coaching course on the weekends or for a few months or whatever, but he was actually teaching me to teach for six years every day, you really? know, multiple hours. I was next to him on the court and it's kind of something that I don't personally know anybody who went through something that I was I, allowed to go. Um, that's that's fair. Well, in the, in the sports realm, that's extremely rare in the business realm. It's not so rare, but in sports, I, yes. I've never heard of that. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Me neither to this day. I've been doing it for a while now yeah. and Still, I haven't met anybody who was as lucky as I was. So, you know, from an early stage, I was just able also because of where I was coaching, which was in his academy in the south of Spain and was mm -hmm. one of the best academies in Europe. And I was coaching a whole breadth of athletes from young kids to amateur athletes to just recreational players in yeah. their 70s to young ambitious uh, college players to full-on professionals so it was you really learn to teach in so many different ways because mm -hmm. you need to teach something different to each one of those people sure obviously sure so sure. yeah that's kind of how i grew up and then when i you know got into my late 20s and then I lived for 12 years in Spain already. And then I moved away for a brief moment mm -hmm. to Germany back with my wife, but then decided Germany isn't quite for us anymore. And we moved here to Los Angeles. Oh, so you're here in the States? Ten year. Yeah, I'm in LA. Exactly. How long have you been? 10 years now. Oh, goodness. Well, mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. And in that time, you've, you've just continuously been coaching. Yes. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I coach for the now for the past decade. I have shifted my focus to not just coach tennis players, 
and not just the physical or strategical aspects of tennis, mm -hmm. but to the mental aspects in terms of how to take advantage of your attentional skills, how to deal with challenges. And that had evolved into just coaching athletes and developing these skills. And that's really what I do now. So I work um, with my own company, MindSize. I work with Adidas as their mindset coach. And with who? everything with Adidas? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Damn, dude. That's a good, that's a, that's cool. So it's, it's exactly what I enjoy doing, what I love doing, and I'm doing it every day um, in contact with a lot of different people from all walks of life and all have basically what you were mentioning at the very beginning when we were talking, they have the same goal in mind. They want to become better humans in whatever capacity that means for them at that moment. Yeah, that's a big thing with me, especially right now. <laughs> With your coaching, obviously, you mentioned that there was an evolution from the physical over to the mental. Where, where did you start noticing that that was a necessity? And how did that, how did that kind of transition? I mean, where, was it an, just an aha moment? Or was it one of those deals where you started noticing different, because different, you said you had different levels of, of professionals in tennis needing different things. I mean, was it through that? Or was it, was it how did that work? Yeah, it was a combination of my own experience, noticing where my limitations were, which were much less physical and much more mental when I was a player. Yeah. So I know by experience what it's like if you're playing well and you're like just mentally, you know, in flow, so mm -hmm. to speak, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. if your mind's playing tricks on you and you can, you become anxious, nervous, afraid, you know, or you are neither of those and you're just distracted the whole time. Right. And then as a coach, I realized that that's not unique to me. Basically, everybody's going through that. And it didn't matter whether those players that I was coaching were professional athletes or whether they were ambitious juniors or whether they were, you know, older adults mm -hmm. that are playing recreationally. Mm -hmm. The basic principle was always that the vast majority of people that I was coaching had a level of performance that was their optimum uh -huh. and they have experienced that you know frequently mm -hmm. but sporadically and for short periods of time yeah, gotcha. and because they know what it's like experientially to play at this level mm -hmm. what they can do but they do it very rarely and if they do it only for a few minutes at a time it becomes very frustrating. So oh, everybody sure. on the tennis court is the whole time like why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you spend a lot of time with people and you just see it from the outside over and over yeah. that they're just not paying attention to this <laughs> or they're just much paying much, uh, way too much attention to how upset they are or right. to the past five minutes or right. what's going to happen in 10 minutes, then you can notice all oh, that has nothing to do with, you know, how fit they are or how mm -hmm. good their technique is mm -hmm. They or they don't understand the game strategically. It's mm -hmm. just they don't have the ability to allow the challenges that are there that they can't change to be there. Uh -huh. And on top of that, they don't have the ability to direct their attention to what is most important at this very moment so they can perform at their best. Gotcha. And then, however, I did see that in like the exceptional players. So I was also playing with some and coaching some people that you know reach the top in the world mm -hmm. and whether they have developed those skills systematically or sometimes since it is skills you also can have them naturally developed a little further than others just like one person is faster than another without any training yeah or one person is stronger than another without training yeah. so with athletes and humans in general some people have this ability to pay attention to something <clears throat> more than the next person without sure. training. Of course, sure. if you start training your uh, attention, then you know you excel. So once I was seeing that and the difference between the very top in the world, how they're able to deal with challenges and how they're able to pay attention to what matters mm -hmm. and everybody else, how they didn't have that or very rarely, I realized that's exactly what I was also struggling with. That was, ah. I was exactly in that boat. And then 
for the first time in my life, I realized, well, that's actually something you can develop. That was like the big game changer for me. That was a sure. moment. Sure. This realization that this is the, ch the challenge and the issue for a lot of people, there was, you know, over years that happened yeah. over a decade. Realizing that, oh, it's not out of my hand. I can become as good as paying attention as mm -hmm. this person. Mm -hmm. Once I realized that I dedicated my entire life to developing these skills. And once I got to a degree where I was like, oh, this is different now. Yeah. Uh, then I decided that's what I want to teach. That's yeah. what I want to help people to get to if they, you know, if that's something that they feel like they want to improve it. You found your zone and you said, okay, I know what the zone looks like. I know what it feels like here. Let me show you. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So you've been coaching for how long now? Ooh, uh, 18 years. And in that, and in that 18 years, how long was it before you found, before you came to that aha moment? Eight years. Isn't it interesting on how long it takes for sometimes, sometimes it's immediate. Like you said, some people have natural, natural abilities to, to do certain things and further develop from there. And some people, it takes a little bit of time for me, 15 before I realized that I needed to be doing something different besides playing music all day, yes, which was my life. Well, also eight years of coaching. Don't forget yeah. that I was already playing yep. professionally <clears throat> yep. um, before that for another 16. So, so really you... it's 16 plus eight. Right? Yeah. So yeah. we're talking about 24 years until the aha moment came. And how many have you had since then? I'm sure a ton. Yes, I mean the so to speak aha moments. Yeah. Or in other words, like insight, right? Yeah. You start yep. to understand things from a different perspective, or you're able to see and experience things from a different perspective. You're not so limited anymore. Exactly. In terms of your approach. That is also something that you can train and improve through mental training. So once you really dedicate time to that, that becomes uh over time, much more frequent. So by now, I can't tell you how many of those had. Oh, sure. Um, but plenty. I'm sure. I'm sure that they're numerous by now for, yeah. for, for a lot of us. When we, when, when we finally get to that point of recognition, <clears throat> you've coached some of the best tennis players in the world. Yes. Of those that you have coached, whether they were world-class or, or ambitious youngsters, do you have any stories you can share where you saw that happen with them? And all of a sudden, they were able to start moving into their zone, if you will. Yeah, you know, I mean, the for me personally, I have coached, you know, a lot of people over yeah, the last I'm sure. almost 20 years now. 18 years, and a lot of people. <laughs> I was very uh, fortunate and still continue to be that the people that I spent time with, they're always extremely passionate and interested in improving at something. And most of the time in that case, it's like, you know, what I might be able to help them with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that is not just the professional athletes. So whether it's somebody, you know, who reached the number one in the world and became world champion or won a grand slam in tennis, but I also have some other people that are not, professional tennis players but they are you know maybe the best in the world or i mean not some, something you can say but a very successful singer or guitar yeah. player or music producer or something mm -hmm. like there are similarities between all of those people you can mm -hmm. see like and what i have experienced over the years is that the similarity is that there is obvious curiosity mm -hmm. about really perfecting the craft and it's not only goal driven the whole time they all have a goal and it might be a very ambitious goal sometimes too ambitious sometimes not enough so that varies but what really doesn't um, vary is their willingness and passion that they bring to the table when they are working on whatever it is that they're working on. 
whether they are doing a mental exercise, whether they're hitting a forehand, whether they're doing, you know, physical exercise, they're running or, you know, doing planks, it doesn't matter what it might be or a, st a strategy. There is such an interest and passion and like really paying attention to that, that their mind is not going off and just wanting to already achieve it. Somebody becomes like, they really have that goal vision. Yeah. and they can let it go. Mm -hmm. And now they only pay attention to what really matters most. And that is what allows them to achieve that goal actually quicker mm -hmm. or in the first place compared <laughs> to other people. That's huge. I think when, and, and we've heard this from a few of our other guests that passion, resolve, commitment, things of that nature. These are the things that are necessary in order to reach the zone or the goal that you're looking for. Even if it takes multiple steps to get to that goal. You, you just mentioned another little tidbit there is like when they get really focused on taking it one step at a time, eventually they do make it to the goal. What would be, who's your most memorable of all, of all the clients that you, who's, who's the one that you remember the most? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a challenging question because I have, I couldn't like pick one that I would say I remember the most because they're so unique in their interests and mm -hmm. dedication to what they're doing. Sure. You know, but for sure, and that I wasn't coaching him at no point, but we were playing together was uh, Roger Federer. For sure, he stands out. <laughs> you played with Roger Federer? Yes, we played doubles together. That um, is awesome. So, I mean, I remember... That is something that I remember like it was yesterday. And it's not yesterday. It's right, exactly. <laughs> we were standing there. We were juniors. We were 17 or 16. And he was playing and I was watching him. And I was just thinking to myself, like, how much better can somebody be who's in the top 10 in the world? I don't understand, like, how much better <laughs> you could play. And then, you know, yeah, whatever, right. Months later, he was basically beating the top five in the world. So right. at least like I realized at that moment, okay, this is like as good as it gets. Even though he was just 16. What's he like in real life? Is he real cool? Oh, he is the nicest person. He's very goofy. He's just cracking jokes the whole time. I, I've heard that. I, yes, that he's just really he, down to earth kind of person. Oh, such a nice guy. I mean, you, you know, of course, when you have... A million people requesting things from you, wanting things from you, companies oh, yeah. to work with you, people, oh, yeah. autographs, pictures with you. You have to create a barrier around you because it drains too much energy. Oh, you yeah. can't interact with everybody. Well, it yeah. doesn't matter if you're nice or not nice. You have to just protect yourself uh -huh. um, in order to be able to function. Yeah. But, and this barrier that he has that is a professional barrier, which is highly appropriate, very respectful, professional, and he does as good of a job as anybody else that I have seen. How he handle, how he deals and interacts with people that are, let's just say, beyond this invisible barrier. Sure, right? sure, sure. Once there's somebody with inside this barrier. Okay, then of course it's different. You you can kind of let the guardrails down somewhat. Not that he's changing his personality, so to speak, but it's like there's certain things you can do in front of the camera mm -hmm. and certain things you can't do, right? Right. right. So um, in private, so when he's just completely private, what I have seen, and it's not like I am dealing with him uh, over the past you know decade or something. Right. He is just you know the super casual down to earth funny a buddy a good friend you know he doesn't put himself above anybody else because of his accomplishments or skills or financial success or standing in the world he is basically at a point as a human being where me as a coach i would like to get the people or the, especially the young players that I teach to see what it is like to be a human being that is not mistaking 
these accomplishments for something that um, makes them better as a human being. Right. And yeah. he is there, you know, good, he, good point. he appreciates, you know, being the best in the world and having all the money and a great family, but it's just like, yeah, that's a nice add on. And yeah, he he's is, he's not letting it get to his head. No, that, no, that's a, no, that's not to not to what I have ever experienced. Yeah, no, no, that's that, and that's that's wonderful to hear. Kind of had a feeling that was the case. I know a few other celebrities, not not in sports, but they're just like that. We've we've met them in person. Again, as an entertainer, you run into them. Some of them are absolute down to earth sweethearts, and they don't let the fame get to their heads. And some of them, you just don't want to be around, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. The ones that are good humans, you know, like we met some of these names, people won't remember, but Jim neighbors who played a character called Gomer pile, nicest guy in the world, just real sweet. Richard Pryor, who was a, a comedian, also one of the nicest guys met Arnold Schwarzenegger. Definitely one of the nicest guys. Maria Shriver at the time was his wife. Met them both sweet people. They don't let it get to them. They they believe that they've gotten to where they've gotten because of the people that support them. They understand that. And they're very appreciative of it. That's really cool. Hey guys, we're gonna take a short 30 second break. When we come back, we're gonna we're gonna start digging into some of this mindset stuff with Christian and, and what inspires and what motivates, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So give us a little bit of time and, and we'll be right back. See you in just a short short 30. And we're back here, Java Chat, Christian Straka. Mindset coach, we were just talking a little bit earlier about some of the stories that he's, that he remembers with people that he's coached and he brought up the, he brought up an experience with somebody he didn't coach, Roger Fader. And we got into this whole thing about how celebrities are and what they're like and how cool some of them are. The second section, we always talk about what inspires, what motivates, but I do want to talk a little bit about mindset and things that can maybe some tips and tricks that can help somebody to get past some of these blocks that I'm sure Christian sees in his, in his students or his, or his, is that what you call them? Students when you're coaching somebody yeah. or clients, clients probably. Uh, yeah. I think I call them uh, clients. Yeah. I don't know. There's no kind of perfect word for it. Uh, yeah. There I really isn't, so. is there? No, it's just kind of like need to come up with something. Uh, eventually, most most of my clients really turned into. Some of them are became one of my best friends. Some oh of sure, them are dear friends, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of that's that's interesting <laughs> how how inevitable that something. that becomes a reality when you're when you because I have other friends that coaches. Some of my coaches are my best friends now today too. I mean, it it just it's interesting to see how how that um, plays out. A lot of times when you're talking with people that, you know, you're giving them, you're giving them another perspective, you're outside the storm, like we were talking about earlier, and you're giving them another perspective and all of a sudden they have their aha moments and their epiphanies. And it's kind of hard not to become a friend of that person because all of a sudden it's like, you know, even though I might be engaged with you as a, as a business arrangement where there's some financial interest there, there's an emotional arrangement there too. I mean, there's, there's no way around it because you're literally helping somebody overcome a block, break a block or, you know, get over under or through whatever it is that's holding them up. So I can, I can I completely see that when we come and talk to about, boy, I got a lot of ums today. I don't, this is weird. We come to a lot, the second section, we talk a lot about inspirations, things that get us up in the morning and get us moving. Obviously for you, that's probably your clients because you know that there's something, there's going to be a breakthrough somewhere, sometime today, sometime this week, there's going to be something awesome. I want to be ready for it. Let's go. I get that part. What other things inspire you? What other things get you up in the morning or keep you moving throughout the day? Especially like, you know, there's that, that nice, warm, sunny time in the afternoon around two o'clock when nap time starts calling and, and, you know, I usually grab another cup of coffee, but that's different. What keeps you moving? What, what motivates you? Like, you had your mentor. Who else? Anybody else that you've ever followed and or mentored you or any anything that you've read or anything of that nature that has helped you to just like, hell yeah, I'm in the right place. Let's keep going. That's a great question. I'm really surprised every time 
you know, I do a fair amount of these conversations and podcasts. And every time, like I get uh, asked questions that I have not been asked before. And I'm every time I'm saying, this is a great question. <laughs> this is another one of those great questions. I haven't been asked yet. This is a reflector. This is, this um, is one of those reflection questions. This is, this is, and this is why I do it is because I don't, I don't think enough people do. And yes. it's pretty awesome when they, when they start, like you're not the first one to, to have this happen. Yeah. But I, I can tell you, every answer has been amazing. Well, what gets me up? I think there's really like two kind of uh, answers that mm -hmm. I would give to that. One is really what motivates me, what gets me up is that I have been fortunate enough and able to do for a living what I'm passionate about. Yeah, And that's kind of what I'm trying to also, you know, give to my friends and clients this perspective of mm -hmm. like they can do what they are passionate about mm -hmm. or they can incorporate things that are passionate about and then you're doing things throughout the day that are enjoyable for you and not only things that are tedious and you actually don't want to do it's hard work and no fun and right. then hopefully further down the road you know you're going to make money from it or you're going to um, have some recognition or some other um, form of success. Yep. But if everything that you're doing, you're always experiencing as unpleasant, yeah. only for to have the end goal be something pleasant, that's kind of not a nice way to go through life yeah. from my perspective. And not as fulfilling. Agreed. There's a lot of people that might not have that luck to be in a situation where they could maybe choose what they do. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. um, because of the life circumstances that they're in. Yeah. But many people do, and they don't realize it. So also with the young people that I'm working with, is I'm trying to really show them that perspective. Like, uh -huh. look at my life. You know, mm -hmm. like I didn't go the traditional route as a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gotten to a point where I'm really content because most of the day I'm doing what I truly love, and that is doing sport and sharing with people these experiences and skills that they can develop. So I'm using them myself. Uh -huh. And while I'm using them and I'm explaining what I'm doing and sharing with them how they can do it, mm -hmm. um, they're improving these skills also. And these skills allow them to perform better in the moment of whatever they're doing. And they also allow them to be healthier and happier human beings outside of, you know, whether they're um, working or sure. doing sport or whatever. Sure. So I, that is really what gets me up in the morning is that I am able to do what I enjoy. I'm doing enjoyable things most of the time throughout the day. It might, it's a lot. I, I have a really busy schedule, but it's not something that I you know, dread. I'm not like, yeah. oh, I have to do this today and I have 10 hours of work today. And yeah. I have five hours of this. It's like, no, I don't even think about that at all because all the things that I'm doing are mostly enjoyable. And then I do things that are not enjoyable in the moment, but they are good for me in the future. So, you know, whether it's drinking, how much am I drinking? I think it's like six to nine liters a day of water mm -hmm. I drink. Okay, so maybe it's not the most enjoyable thing, but it has a very pleasant effect on my body. My body feels much better if I drink yeah. like this throughout the day. Right. So things like that. So it's like me drinking six or seven cups of coffee. It, does, it doesn't I necessarily do too, my body. Because gonna... it's with coffee here, I thought I'm going to bring my coffee too. I have also drink coffee. <laughs> so, and then the other answer to your question is like, who has inspired me or what have I read? Yeah, yeah. So actually like to read uh, a lot about from teachers that are teaching what I teach, but back in the day, kind of. So within the mindfulness world, a lot of times that actually is people, you know, that are Buddhist teachers, whether it's Zen Buddhists or whether it is Theravada Buddhists or you know, from the Tibetan, Tibetan traditions and so forth. And history books actually about Indian history and uh, history from Japan, but everything into kind of 
mental development aspects like all the books have this uh, in line that it's basically somewhat historical but then it also always talks about the same theme of how you can develop these skills and by exposing myself continuously to other people that have you know developed insight to a degree that most other people haven't mm -hmm. and they have their own language so to speak it opens up my perspective continuously you know yeah and so that's people like Ajahn Chah it's people like or from nowadays name. it would be like, for example Eckhart Tolle or Joseph Goldstein um, mm -hmm. Shinzen Yang who's my mentor then also from back in the day or, or Bhikkhu Bodhi uh, he has written a lot of books that are quite dense and very educational his names are also so, familiar yeah and they all have to do with mental development yes exclusively it's all I, I I enjoy reading fiction very much, but really over the past decade, I have maybe read, I don't know, a handful of books that are fiction and everything else is nonfiction. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. Most of my books are nonfiction, self-improvement, that kind of stuff, or, you know, things in marketing, et cetera, et cetera, because of our agency. Mm -hmm. I have to stay up on top of stuff. Some of these things are, some of them are a little bit, you know, I have to. But I've been pleasantly surprised by a few of them that as much as I had to, I ended up wanting to. And it was actually pretty cool. What would be one of the best things that you could say is a good, what's the word? Something good to do when somebody finds themselves in a block. If they, like we were talking about that earlier, that you, you help athletes figure out how to get past things when they're, when they're too focused on the wrong things, when they find themselves running down the wrong road. What can they, what can somebody do to shift? Yeah. Get out of that. I mean, the first thing is they need to want to shift. If you don't find yourself in a position where you have any motivation or desire to shift, mm -hmm. then you're just where you're at. You know, you gotta, in, a, in other words, you gotta suffer for a little longer until you get to that point. <laughs> and then when you do, it depends on uh, where you're at in your life right now. Mm -hmm. If you have some previous exposure, experience, and mental skills in terms of developing these attentional skills that you develop through mindfulness practice, then I would actually recommend that you emphasize practicing in a systematic and consistent way. A lot of people in the world by now have a good amount of experience with mindfulness practice, yeah. but they just don't do it. So it's not about like, I don't know what to do. Like, how does this work? They do know how to do it. And even if they don't, maybe, you know, just get an app, just get bright mind or headspace or calm. And like, and a lot of people have already done that for months and months. So it's now just sit down and practice again, because the practice is really what's going to have the long-term beneficial effects on you. There's no quick fix. There never was. Uh, that, I completely agree. Exactly. Um, this is a deep fix. Yeah. Like my mentor says, but not a quick fix. Yeah. Okay. If you want a quick fix, um, that is kind of a quick fix. A lot of times is a little bit of a lucky break, but mm -hmm. the quick fix is also not lasting. It might like more be an alleviate the issue or right. the, the challenges, but not yeah. to get rid of them, you know, yeah. or solve yeah. them. Yeah. The Difference other... between dealing, dealing with the symptom and a root cause. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. However, um, the other aspect is also, you can just expose yourself to the material, so to speak. You can uh -huh. talk to people that you, that are inspiring to you, to <clears> teachers, <throat> you know, listen to webinars, listen. I mean, there's on YouTube and wherever there is, I mean, millions and millions of hours of unbelievably awesome teachers that are sharing, you know, these, this knowledge with yeah. you from different perspectives. So sometimes people have a very strong aversion towards actually practicing these skills, which is really the essence, because they first need to get to the point where they intellectually understand, 
this is this really would help me and once they understand it it can unlock this intrinsic motivation where they now want to practice right and that can happen you know through listening to people or reading these books from you know whether it's people that have passed away by now or whether they're alive you basically need to find somebody that speaks a language that you connect with it's like you hear them speak and you're like yeah i get what you're saying you know there's other teachers that are saying the exact same thing but you, you it doesn't vibe with you yeah so you yeah. just need to find at least one of those or multiple who you enjoy listening to when and and i know that this is probably a question on people's minds when they listen to this we talk about practicing mindfulness how do you understand the definition i've had i've had two other people talk about the practicing mindfulness and i I, i've had two different definitions so far i'm I'm banking i'm gonna get a third so what is your definition of practicing mindfulness well i am going to say that people give different definitions and words but what you're actually doing is the same. So it really, mindfulness by now is very clearly set. Like we know exactly what it is. So even if you have two people, you know, that are experienced. Yeah, there's, there, 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 it was a perspective on it. That's why I asked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like really like, I think it's important for your listeners uh, to know that even though you have might have two or maybe now me as a third person give you a different explanation what you're actually doing when you're being mindful, it's always the same. Okay. It's just a different way of talking about it or trying to explain that same thing. Okay. So the way I explain what mindfulness, being mindful is, is you're using three different skills intentionally, simultaneously. And these three skills are concentration, clarity, and coolness. So the first skill is concentration is your ability to pay attention to whatever you want to pay attention to for however short or long. It can be your breath. It can be what's going through your mind. It can be how you feel emotionally. It can be externally something you're looking at or something you're hearing Mm -hmm. or smelling or tasting. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to pay attention to could be the object of concentration. And you can pay attention to it for two seconds or for two hours It's up to you. The second skill, clarity, is what people describe as awareness, being in the moment, presence, and so forth. So that's your ability to be able to track what you are paying attention to in real time. Mm -hmm. So if you direct your attention to your breath, let's say, then you're using concentration. You're directing it there Mm -hmm. and you're keeping it there. But if if you now notice that your chest is expanding and contracting, that's clarity that now you're aware of what's happening. You're tracking in real time what you're feeling. Which of course now I'm doing because you're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks Christian. Quite effective. The, Appreciate it. The that. third skill, coolness, <laughs> is what other people uh, describe as equanimity, openness, acceptance, non-judgment and so forth. So that is your ability to try to be equally open to pleasant and unpleasant experiences without trying to suppress experiences that are unpleasant and without trying to cling to experiences that are pleasant. So it's like a matter of fact, third option in the middle between those two. So when you're being mindful, you're doing these three things. You know, other people say it's non-judgmental present moment awareness. Right. Okay. Is what a lot of people say also, but it's, if you break it down, that's exactly what I just said. It's just using different terms, you know? You got the you got the three C's in there. I learned I learned that from in our meditations from some of my elder brothers in martial arts. One of the Si Hing, I think he was at the time, and he he explained to me. He says, "When you meditate, wherever you do it, however you do it, remember that you're going to see a lot of thoughts pop up." Your mind will never be blank. It's impossible. Your brain is always working on something. It's always focusing on something. So he says, when it does come up, you let it let it come up, present itself, whether it's good or not. Acknowledge it and then let it go. And that's and that's so you just you just pass through all of that to keep yourself in that zone of calm. When you come out of it, it's like nothing can bug me at that point. 
it's a complete zone out and and not and not in a bad way either it's like i can stand up i can focus on what i need to focus on i can get it done and it's and it gets done in in good time when i don't do that then the other part you lose you lose coolness like almost completely it becomes yes. it becomes it becomes a block because you're stuck on oh, that asshole said blah 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 or that person's doing this and this this is really irritating me why why does it irritate you what is it about and, and it's it's always the going back and going internal what is it about you <laughs> that's bothering you that 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 person's actions are bugging you are they hurting you no why is it bothering you if it doesn't really affect your life why does it bother you yes yeah so those you know that's what the mind does it kind of tries to understand things and have kind of come up with answers and then you might have an insight like what you were just like basically talking about it's like oh actually if i really you know analyze this a little bit this doesn't really affect me you know yeah. Yeah. however that's not what it feels like right um but it's hard to realize that in the moment because you're not realizing in real time what it is that you're feeling and anything that's going through your mind whatever mm -hmm. kind of thought that might be uh -huh. will become very sticky in your mind, so to speak, like you believe it and you can't let go mm -hmm, of it. Mm -hmm. If there is a strong somatic connection, right? If you have a thought in your mind, but you're somatically neutral, so to speak, it doesn't kind of trigger you in any way, positively, right. negatively, pleasant, unpleasant. Right. Then it's kind of just like a thought. It's like, you know, the sky is green like mm, whatever you know it's raining <laughs> elephants that's a thought like it's just like i hear it okay there's I, I no need a connection <laughs> <laughs> but there might be another thought that will trigger a strong emotional reaction right and all of a sudden that thought is not so easy to let go of and that's because of the intricacy of how all your sensory experiences mm -hmm. kind of interact with each other. Right. When you're looking at that from a sports standpoint, where do you see that apply? If somebody's trying to perform in a zone, where, where does that come in? So if somebody's in the zone or, you know, in the flow state or whatever you want to call it, Flow state is definitely one of the terms that they're using more in the scientific community now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which is pretty well-defined and it includes multiple skills that are mm -hmm. working at the same time. Mm -hmm, also, mm -hmm. one of them is, for example, decision-making. Another one, uh, like, so if you're not needing to make decisions, yeah. you're not really in a flow state, so to speak. Okay. It might be another state that's also very pleasant, but like the flow state nowadays by Chick sent me aisle has been defined as, oh, you need to be needing to make decisions. You also need to be performing just above your optimal performance. If it's too difficult for you, you won't be able to enter it. If it's too easy, you won't be able to enter it either. Got it. However, three of those flow the skills within the flow state are the three skills that I just talked about. Right. And you, so another way to look at it is when you're in a float state, then one thing that's happening is that concentration, clarity, and coolness are at least momentarily significantly elevated. So you're much more concentrated. You're much more aware of what's happening. And there's much less resistance towards your current experiences. And those three skills can be elevated also if you're not in a flow state. So really? you can just be sitting and, you know, turning your attention to your breath, or you can be walking and that's not very challenging and you're not making decisions, but your concentration, clarity, and coolness could be much elevated. And especially if you're training them. That makes sense. It's, I, I go for long walks and that actually happens. So it makes sense that that would, why that is now. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. You kind of gave me an aha moment today. That's pretty cool. You see? Yeah. Just, just a little bit of a, a little bit at a time. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in um, a coaching situation and you see somebody that's in that block, how do you get them to understand all of this? I mean, when somebody comes to you fresh, they have no idea what a coach is. You, you have to kind of educate them obviously first, but 
when you when you see that, how do you bring them through that process? What do you tell them? Well, I, again, once again, I have one very big advantage, which is when people come to me, they're very malleable. I can like form them like clay because they are willing to, oh, yeah, you have uh, to be. do Other... what I tell them. There is right. no resistance. You know, That's it's good. not like maybe a very good friend or my mother, you know, I tell her and it was like, no, she wants to do what she wants to do. Yeah. yeah. So when people come to one. me, like, <laughs> there's a lot of acceptance, you know, and interest in doing exactly what I'm telling them. So that means a lot of equanimity and yeah. openness towards, you know, the information I'm giving them. That's sure. very, very helpful. Yeah. And then I take two approaches. One is I explain to them why this is helpful. So they don't just have to take my word for it. So they right. intellectually can somewhat um, understand why this is beneficial for them and mm -hmm. like what is happening, what mm -hmm. they are mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. voluntarily or involuntarily that is actually making their life more difficult. Got it. Yeah. And then we transform that into an experiential part where they actually need to do something. So now that I try to somewhat give, give a little bit of food to their curious mind there you and go. now their curiosity is kind of fed yep. now they're even more willing to just do it yep. okay now it's not about understanding or thinking about it anymore now it's actually just pay attention to where your arms at just pay attention to are you tense right now or are you relaxed mm -hmm. uh, pay attention to are you watching what you need to be watching or are you, is your attention, you know, maybe on what you're thinking right now? Right. So now we are, I'm basically incorporating exercises yeah. where they are using these three skills. So they're practicing mindfulness, but it is tailored to that current situation because performance and mindfulness in combination is very situation specific so if you learn to pay attention to your breath if you're walking mm -hmm. and your ability to pay attention to your breath for longer without getting distracted improves mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that you all your attention also improves in how you need to watch the tennis ball right so attention is situation specific and that's why mindfulness training that you know, helps with anxiety or depression might not necessarily help with performance enhancement. Of course, there's some overlap. Yeah. And of course, if you're less anxious, you might perform better, but <laughs> it's not that it's not that specific where you're like, oh, I'm not, I am better at paying attention to this and that right now, which I need to do. Or, right. Yeah. So we are doing situation performance specific mindfulness exercises during the physical exercises so it's always a combination of physical and mental training got it got it are you only coaching in the in the um, sports realm right now or have you has your practice no, gone beyond that but i always uh, use the athlete's mindset so sure. to speak sure, sure so even if i work you know with netflix and i give like a workshop for them or with facebook we did something then it's always kind of the sports aspect that I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of interest in that. And there's a lot of other people that are amazing at, you know, giving a different perspective and approach. So that's what they should do. And I kind of try to stick to like, this is what I have spent my life on doing. Yeah. And if people, and a lot of people are, and some people aren't um, interested in how the sports mindset and techniques and you can leverage for your life, maybe even if you're not doing sports, right. um, then that's where I can help you the most. And if you're more interested you know, in something that is completely unrelated to sports, what I teach will still help you, but it might not be so interesting to you. So there's you know, other coaches that are sure. unbelievable that you want to kind of listen so to. When you're, so when you're out in the corporate world, since you've mentioned Netflix, Facebook, and I think you are, you're still on with Adidas, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. What's that like? I mean, what kind of response? Because you, you said you get, you, get, you get a lot of response that's in the positive and some not in the positive. No human is the same, obviously. But I mean, what's it, what kind of response do you get from those people when, it, when you're doing 
or sharing your perspective as far as the sports mindset and things of that nature? Are they are they catching it? Is it something that they really pick up, or is it is it something that it takes a little bit of explanation, or how how does that how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a little bit of explanation, but also not too much. That's once you know basically what i uh, explained here a few minutes ago with the mm -hmm. three different skills working mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. intentionally and once people realize that these skills are not skills that they need to kind of conjure up from nothingness they already have these skills everybody has these skills nobody is never aware nobody can never pay attention and nobody is always reactive to everything so everybody has these skills Mm -hmm. And they're active in certain moments more and in certain moments less. But Enough. what people do rarely is that they use these skills on purpose. Right. So once they realize like, oh, I already have the skills and now all I, what I, and I use the skills, but sporadically and unintentionally. And now all I need to do, so to speak, is start to use them intentionally and systematically. These skills will improve. You know, it's just like going running, like everybody who is physically healthy and doesn't have um, any disability can walk and run. But if you are just walking and sometimes running a little bit, just as life requires it, you will never become faster and you will never be able to run longer. If anything, it will actually decline over time. You yep. will become slower. You will be able to walk shorter distances. Right. So, but even if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, if you start to develop your ability to walk and run, which you have in a systematic and consistent way, you will be able to run a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon. Like there's no question that you will able, be able to do that if you put in the time. And it's the same with these mental skills that everybody has. Yeah, I just had, I just had that, that type of conversation with one of our guests who's a spiritual guide, breathwork therapist kind of person. She's, she's run a, f a couple of marathons and same, same path, same path of thought. It was, you know, getting into it and doing it. Never thought that she could. She mentioned that her most, men her most memorable was the Chicago marathon. She had, she had issues. I don't know if it was chronic injury or if it was just not able to perform at, at level that she believed she should. And coach said, kill it. Let's take a, take three weeks off, you know? And then right at the time of the, the marathon, she jumped in and had her fastest time ever. And it, it what you're saying there is just kind of like, it just, I'm hearing in her head, I need a break. And cause she's been trained, she was training and training and training. And now it's like, okay, I can't, if I do any more, I'm going to really hurt myself. And then got out there and blew the doors off of the deal. And I, th I think that's a part of practicing mindfulness. Correct me if I'm wrong, is knowing when you need to step out. Your body only can handle so much. Like you said, it, it needs to be trained if you want to do more. Any skill needs to be trained if you want to do more. But you also need to know when to take a break. And I think a lot of people forget that part because they get into the grind and they think that's the flow state. And it's like... You know, no, at least not in my experience. It hasn't been that way. There have been times when I've had to take off a whole week. I didn't like it, but I came back next week with a fire that nobody could stop me. Yeah. So that's, you're bringing up an interesting point and it, that's starting to be quite subtle, but like, I would not say that, you know, being mindful means that you can make better decisions or you're making better decisions because you're mindful. Mm -hmm. However, there is a very strong connection, which is the more mindful you are, the better informed your decisions will be. So if you are not mindful, let's just say, and mm -hmm. you know, the guest on your podcast is running and they are not turning their attention. Let's just be super extreme. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. just listening to music the whole time and they're trying to distract themselves and they're actually accomplishing that they're getting distracted. And right. while they're running, they feel fatigue and they feel pain in their knee and they have a whole bunch of issues. Mm -hmm. 
and then it gets to a point where they're in so much pain that they can't distract themselves anymore from it and now it's too late yeah and now they have to take a break and the break will take very long until they have recovered from it and they will miss the chicago marathon right if you're mindful while you're running the whole time you know not just once but every training that you're running, mm -hmm. that means you're directing your attention at least to some part to your body because yeah. that's the activity that you're doing. Right. And you're tracking in real time whether you have pain, whether you're fatigued, whether you feel good, are you relaxed, is there tension, are you performing the movement technically the right way, you're tracking your <clears throat> body movement and so forth. And you're experiencing unpleasant as well as pleasant somatic experiences so right. relaxation might be pleasant tension mm -hmm. a quick mm -hmm. fast breath fatigue might be unpleasant and when you're tracking that in real time for most of the time then you will notice whether you're actually getting to a degree that starts to be unmanageable or whether right. this is actually you're fatigued but really your mind is just telling you oh you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But it's actually your mind telling you, you can't do it. It's not like that your body is not functioning. Right. And that's how you can then make better decisions. Should you take a break? Should you not? But the decision of taking a break or not is not being mindful. That's right. now you're using your intellect right. um, and your conceptual mind in order to, you know, analyze the information that you got through being mindful. That makes absolute sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i'm gonna have to sit with that one later later on for sure i think for for most people and i i sure hope my listeners heard all of that because what you just said right there is is a huge point that i think most people miss i really do i'd i'd, I'd be willing to bet that a bunch of of your own clients have missed that in the past at some point yeah, because, you know, it's subtle. There, there's, yeah. And a lot of yeah. subtle um, things are significant. But because they're so subtle, they're so hard to kind of detect and keep track of. So things get a little bit confused. And like, mm -hmm. you feel like, you know, just at the very beginning, people feel like, oh, yeah, if I meditate, that means my um, mind will calm down and I will not be thinking. <laughs> Why is that a misconception of a lot of people? It is a misconception because yeah. when you actually meditate for years and years and years, the effect of it eventually will be that you will experience some periods of time where there will not be thoughts in your mind and you will mm -hmm. notice silence in your mind. Mm -hmm. That definitely does happen. But it is an effect of many years and hours and hours of training. Just like if you train running, eventually you can run a marathon. Yep. But it's not... <laughs> what you're doing right now what you, when you start to meditate for the first few years what you're noticing is actually that your mind is much more active than you ever thought it would be so there's this contradiction uh, and this is how a lot of these things you know if you start off become very confusing and there's a lot of doubt and you think you're not doing it right and there's just misconceptions because of lack of information yeah you know you just haven't talked to enough people you haven't read enough so it's very normal. It just certainly haven't time. certainly haven't practiced enough. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, that that same thing happened to me when we first when I first started meditation. I I started realizing my head was full of a lot of shit, and getting to the point of quieting all of that down was it took a few years. I mean, it's not it's even even to this day. I mean, my mind's still active as I'll get. Was that one meme? Your mind all day, dead, as soon as it's time to go to sleep. Oh, by the way, here's some philosophical thoughts that I was thinking about sometime today. And you're just like, no, not now, please. I just want to go to bed. It's hilarious how the mind works. And, and I say that with love, obviously, for our own brains. We, we are so, we're amazingly intelligent beings. I just think practicing mindfulness would probably bring us into a better awareness and presence. Guys, we're going to take another 30-second break. And when we come back, we're going to figure out what, um, you know, What's next? What's Christian going to be up to next? We'll be back in about 30 seconds. And we're here back for the last section of this session, Java Chat, with Christian Straka. And Christian's brought a buddy of his, his little fur baby there. His name is Apache. And Apache is a what again? What is it? He's a cockerwawa. 
I don't know if that's the official name, but that's just what my wife and I named. Yeah, it, it works. He's, so he's part Cocker Spaniel and he's part Chihuahua. And exactly. guys, look at how adorable this guy is. He is an adorable little one. Yeah, we, we have a, a lot of the people on our team all have dogs or cats or some some kind of pet. And we just, we adore them. That's awesome. So this last section is basically what's what's in the future for Christian Straka? What's, what's next other than... We know you're going to be coaching. It's your passion. That's not going anywhere. But I mean, are, are there any other things that are going on? I, you know, any any webinars coming up? Any books being written? Any kind of cool stuff that's going on where where you can teach other people as well? Yeah, actually, many things at different stages of development. Nice. Um, a book is uh, in the works, oh, but good. at the very early stages. That's all right. That's um, good. Then we have. Let me go through the list in my head. <laughs> with Adidas, we're wrapping up, expanding to other sports, so to speak. And also with a dear friend of mine, Amira Omar, she focuses heavily um, on culture, inclusivity, and diversity. Love it. How we're incorporating mindfulness there. Then with my company, MindSize, uh, that's where I invest a lot of energy. Sure to uh, you know help people really develop these skills that we've been talking about for the past hour and i've spent all of last year with my team to develop a, a program that is now accessible to anybody in the world you know that awesome. was really um awesome my big goal and we have done that now and then i'm also um, working on a project or I just finished a project actually with a company called Ultra Human. Nice. Um, that is an app where uh, my company and Ultra Human have partnered together and created a 14 week program where you learn to incorporate mindfulness into running. That nice. was a lot of fun that took this year. That's coming out later this year, next year. And then I'm working on another project with a dear friend of mine, former client, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, um, who, where we are working on developing a company where we kind of attempt to revolutionize the fitness industry by helping and supporting the people that help other people. So we are not focused on, so to speak, the end client, the per people that take the fitness you're talking classes. About, that you're talking about the people giving the fitness classes. Exactly. So we want uh -huh. to help them to become, you know, more successful entrepreneurs, to be able to stream it online, to do it in person in a good facility, to have more accessibility, more flexibility. Absolutely. Um, have everything, you know, COVID safe and up to, and also combine different wellness aspects so it's not just fitness mm -hmm, you know in mm -hmm. all of its forms but it's mm -hmm. really wellness mental health whether it is psychotherapy mindfulness practice you know in the future might be a psychedelic therapy might be involved like there's so many different avenues wellness is going right now and we want to help all of the people that make it their life's goal to help other people mm -hmm. to make their life easier that's going to be huge because, and, and it's interesting, this, this path that you're mentioning that you're going down, I have, because everybody's always focused on the end client. People forget the, people forget the coach, people forget the teachers, people forget the service workers, you know, the people that are there serving other people. That's huge, dude. That's, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be something else. I can tell you. Yeah. Let's I don't know of anyone. I don't know of anyone servicing that. So that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Where can people find you online, man? Can they follow you? Like, are you on Instagram, Twitter? Where, where I'm on at? Instagram, straka.la um, is my handle, and my website is mindsizesports.com. Mindsizesports. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and then you have anything on Facebook yet? I have also Facebook straka.la. Yeah, it's the okay. same. Okay. Exactly. So straka.la, you will find it. Wherever it is, it's straka.la. Straka.la. That works. That's exactly. that's 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 his domain name. If you haven't figured that out, I mean. <laughs> exactly. .la is is obviously the extension for, well, I think it's the extension for Los Angeles. Is that correct? I sure hope so. Yeah, Even well. In so yeah. South America, my friends call me Stracala. <clears throat> Stracala. I love it. That's cool. <laughs> Stracala. As long as it's not Louisiana. Exactly. Not that that's a bad thing. There'd be a lot of Creole in that one. Uh, guys, one well, first off, thank you, Christian, very much 
for again coming and hanging out, sharing your expertise, sharing some insights, sharing some tips and and things about you know practicing mindfulness and and what it means to be mindful. A lot of the the wellness side of things does I don't think gets addressed enough, which is why I keep looking for people like you to come and share your perspective and and share you know some of the things because again, like you said, they might vibe with one, they might not vibe with another, and I want to make sure that someone in there is going to be a, a good vibe for them. Then they'll pick up on it, and hopefully, it'll change their life a little bit. So, thanks again for, and thank you, Apache, for hanging out with us for the last part. We appreciate that. Look at him; he's just snuggled in now. He was getting a little restless there for a second, and all of a sudden, exactly. he's just like, "Yeah, yeah, he was moving yeah. a little bit." Yeah, and then all of a sudden, he's just like, "Yep, I think Dad just wants me to sit." Perfect. All right. Well, y'all know how we love to end these. I uh, want to thank everybody for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the, bu and the bell right next to that so you know when we get another killer guest like this one, come on and share their insights and expertise. If you're listening to us on any of the 11, 11 platforms, I think, that we're syndicated to, make sure you download it or subscribe on that platform. It's fine. If you're listening to us on Anchor.fm, that's our home base. You know, Feel free to support us there. Every little bit helps. And it always makes sense to uh, take a moment in a day and do these things that Christian shared, you know, block out a time, you know, if, if, it, if you, if you really want to start seeing some clarity, take a moment to get out of the craziness. And we like to call it recenter. Everybody has a different term for it, but get present with yourself. Get present with what's going on and find some clarity again and then get back into it. So stay up, stay safe, stay healthy, and live for Christian Straka and myself, Coffee with Mike. Ciao for now. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.